You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome to the show. I don't need to remind you that it's the last weekend before Christmas, because if you're driving around anywhere or near a mall, you know this already. You know. Uh, the other, Actually, the other day when I... Mm, two days ago, uh, I walked into the Gap and I said hi to a mannequin because I thought it was somebody who was going to help me and it wasn't. And that is an indication that you should not shop anymore. That's when you are done. Uh, I've got a little bit of everything that I like on the show today. So as much as we're surrounded by reminders of the holidays and you know how lovely and festive and happy it is, uh, it is a bit of a challenging time for some people and, and for others. It's actually a really hard time that they they dread. So if it's not a happy time for everyone, what should you do? What could you say to show that you're thinking about someone? It could be an acquaintance, a friend of a friend, or you know maybe a, a coworker. Because I think we all probably know someone who may have had either a tough year or uh, had a loss, and this this particular season can be difficult for them. And then it can be awkward for us. Like what? What do we say? What do we do? Do we just avoid them? So um, I'll actually have a therapist on the show in just a couple of minutes to share some really practical advice on reaching out to friends, coworkers, uh, family members who might be having a bit of a, a hard time this season. And if that person happens to be you, if you're the person who you know doesn't look forward to Christmas or New Year's, or maybe this is the first year uh, that's going to be a really tough one, then hopefully we can share some things that can help you. You can always text in during the show as well. I would love any uh, tips or advice or suggestions that you have from personal experience. It'd be great to share that with other listeners. So you can always text in at 71010. Also, this is the time of year when the food world looks ahead and tries to predict what will be hot next year. And you might think that you are completely responsible for the kinds of foods that you eat. And you you are kind of, but you're also at the mercy of people who years in advance are predicting the kind of flavors or dishes that you will see more of and that will become very accessible to you either in like casual restaurants or at the grocery store. Um, you know, 10 years ago, were we eating everything in taco form? Not really, but we are now. Uh, so I'll have a uh, chef Andrea Bucket on the show. She'll talk to you about some of the, the flavors uh, that we'll see more of in 2017 and also the changes in the way that we're eating and buying. And you'll, you'll see this a lot more when you're out shopping or out dining. And, uh, and then this will help you make smarter decisions. I hope, because I'm making it sound like we're all being brainwashed to to eat certain things. It's not that way, but hey, advertising works. So if you have any um, favorite food trends from uh, recent years or anything you thought was a total bust, you can text in as well, 71010. So Andrea will be on um, at the uh, in the second half of the show. Also, because we are coming up under the holiday season, I'm giving away the most festive thing I can think of, and that is meat. Uh, lots, lots of meat. It will be mailed to your door for the most beautiful, meatful delivery you could ever receive. So keep listening for details. I have uh, five $50 gift certificates to give away. Uh, to a new online butcher, which means that you don't even have to go out to do the shopping. You just go online and you just click and uh, surprise, me comes to your door. 
Who wouldn't love that other than vegetarians? It's because I like you so much, and we're going to give you the gift of meat. Um, also, a little bit of sad news uh, on this front, and from me. This is actually going to be my last show here on News Talk 1010. Wah, wah, wah. Um, they're, they're, the station, you know, is always adding new things and moving shows around, making room for uh, new things in the new year. So... That means that you have to kind of get rid of a few things. So I'll say a few words at the end of the show, but I know that many of you are running around, you're doing your errands. So if you you know only have the next few minutes to to tune in, then I just wanted to thank you for letting me be a part of your Saturday afternoons. And then before that, I know some of you were listening on Sunday nights as well. So it's surprised me in that it's just been over um, three years and as someone who's had like many jobs in media, and I'm sure you're aware of that if you follow me online that I do a lot of different things, um, this one really was a very personal one for me. So uh, I want to just do quick thanks to those of you who, who let me be a part of your Saturday afternoons. And of course, you can always stay in touch with me online. Paychen.com is a website. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is where I post my nonsense, and that is uh, at Pei Chen. So I wanted to introduce my first guest in studio because she's going to stick around for the um, the first half of the show. And I kind of wanted to introduce the topic that we're, we're going to discuss. So Tennille Rock, I have to say that's a fabulous name, ah, and I'm sure you, you get that a lot. <laughs> uh, you're a therapist and the manager of counseling and student well-being at George Brown College. Mm-hmm. So you've been working for, um, I guess, for what, a decade and a half mm-hmm. or so as mm-hmm. a therapist? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So what what do you do? What is your job encompass at George Brown? So my role is sort of looking after the students' well-being. I mean, there's there's aspects of the school. I mean, usually when people think of college, they think of the academics. Right. But there's so many other things that come with the personal development of the students that go into whether they're successful or not in their classes. So we offer individual counseling. We offer uh, peer coaches that sort of work with the students one-on-one to give them study strategies and also strategies around their wellness. Now, you don't work, you work outside of George Brown as well, mm-hmm. right? So you That's have true. like, you, you've done a lot of other things. You've worked with a lot of different communities and groups. That's right. So my private practice has me doing a lot of individual counseling, but also workshops and um, speaking engagements on the topic of mental health and well-being. So a lot of my work is in the Caribbean community, but also mm-hmm. I work with all sorts of different communities on that topic. So I'm really happy to be here. Such an important topic um, and any platform that I can have to talk about mental health and get people talking about airing these issues because they mm-hmm. can be so taboo is is really wonderful. Do you, I was just going to ask you the um, the challenges you feel in terms of just talking about mental health and mental illness and yeah. whether we have a very good understanding of what that encompasses. No, I get the sense. I mean, really, folks don't. I think there's there's more conversation about mental health than the media. You look at all the things that are going on with Kanye West right now, all the things like right. even as the years You know go what's on. interesting yeah. is sometimes mm-hmm. it takes um, a very relatable celebrity right. story for people to go like, oh, it's not just something that I don't, that, you know, is foreign to me because it's a different uh, socioeconomic class or a different region or Mm -hmm. a different area. And it like, sometimes it takes a celebrity in pop culture to make something seem relatable. Like, oh, so when you brought up Kanye West, I'm like, right, because he had a bit of a meltdown. Mm -hmm. He did. And I think that this is what happens because there was a number of different things that probably were leading up to his meltdown or whatever you want to call it that a lot of folks didn't really notice. And you're right. When we have celebrities that come out and talk about their own personal experiences, and he's not the only one, um, you know, in, in recent years, even I think it was Ariana Grande that had to actually cancel a number of her 
her shows due to mm. anxiety and panic attacks that she was experiencing, it does sort of assist uh, in us talking about this. I think what folks don't realize is that mental health is on a continuum. Um, and so we might have folks that are on the one side that have a diagnosed or serious, quote, serious mental right. health issue, but really all of us have mental health. And so it's about looking after it because at any given point, you could be going along very well and then have a death or have lose a job or something mm-hmm. could happen to you. And next thing you know, the, uh, the, you know, those folks who were like, oh, that would, could never be me. All right. of a sudden that's me. Uh, is there a challenge in getting people to understand that there's that spectrum of mental illness, mental health? Because I, you know, for me personally growing up, I don't think we ever spoke about it. Mm-hmm. I think when someone talked about mental illness, it was like, ooh, you were really quote unquote crazy. Yeah. And that was a couple of people, but no one that you knew about. So it was not something that seemed to relate to your own life. But like you said, it can be uh, panic attacks, anxiety, yep. it can be quite mild. Absolutely. You're right. And I think we we still do have a long way to go in terms of getting people to talk about this topic. And then even when we look at specific cultural communities as well, too, they might even, and it's a diverse city. I mean, it's Toronto, right? So we might even have folks coming to the country and not have a sense of when we say mental health and what it, you know goes into that, having a sense of what that actually is. Uh, in some cultures and even in some languages, there aren't even words that... Um, speak to mental health. And so, uh, you're, you're, that's actually a really good point because I feel like uh, many other cultures, I mean, my background being Taiwanese, I don't think any, you don't even talk about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like you <laughs> certainly don't talk about mental health. Like it's just, it's just not the norm. No, not at all. And I think that the best way to engage folks is to uh, sort of approach it in a way that's not intimidating. So everyone mm-hmm. knows uh, that they have to care for their physical health. I mean, that's pretty well known. And I think that's usually what people uh, are easily um, attracted to. Right. But when you think about your physical health, it's connected to your emotional health. It's connected to your spiritual health. All these things kind of go together. So I find that the topic is much more approachable when we talk about holistic health Mm -hmm. and taking care of yourself. So things like self-care and wellness are some of the ways that I've been able to sort of assist people to say, okay, fine, if you're uncomfortable, topic of mental health, no problem. Let's talk about your wellness and how you care for yourself. So looking at the prevention Mm -hmm. aspects of it, as opposed to, oh my goodness, emergency, emergency, that kind of crisis perspective, I think actually isn't helpful and people don't connect to it. You know, so you're going to stick around. If if you have any questions, you can text in 71010. So I wanted to Neil to come on the show today because I I know I have friends who uh, find that this is a really tough time of year for them Mm -hmm. and I don't really know what to say. There's always the, I'm sorry, my condolences, Um, like, you know, when someone passed away, but it can even be something as, you know, somebody may have lost their job. Um, there can be so many things. It's not always a death or an illness. And uh, especially when it's someone that you may not be super close to, but you still would like to show that you care. So it could be someone in your office, in your workplace. And I wanted Tanil to come on and share some advice and give us some tips just so we can talk about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And make that other person feel a bit better because I think our choices are often based on how comfortable we feel, not necessarily right. the other person. And if uh, and if you're the one who might be having a bit of a hard time, hopefully Tanil can share some uh, tips and suggestions for you as well. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. 
Welcome back to the show. My guest is Tennille Rock, a therapist and manager of counseling and student well-being at George Brown College, uh, someone who also has her own private practice. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the fact that this is not always the happy time of year for everyone. Um, And as much as we... You know, season greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. And we we wish that on on everyone because mm-hmm. uh, we hope it is a good time of year. It it's tough, and uh, I'm I don't actually know if I shared this story before, but uh, I have a childhood friend whose husband passed away very suddenly this summer of a brain aneurysm, and he was 37. He basically went into the hospital with a headache, and um, a few days later, he'd passed away. And I realized I didn't know what to say to mm-hmm. her. Like I sent her the text of I'm so sorry. I, I'm, you know, if you need anything, please let me know. I don't even live in the same province. And then after that, you know, I didn't know what to say. And, uh, and this is her first Christmas without him. So that felt very close to me. I'm like, what do you suggest to people who feel that sort of awkwardness or what is a, a good thing to do or say? Yeah, I, I guess maybe the first thing I would say is, is be kind to yourself. I think that within a North American context, we don't encounter death in the way that other cultures might have to, mm-hmm. just based on the circumstances. So it's all really, you know what I mean? The person is is squirreled away to a hospital. They're then put in a morgue. So there isn't that same sort of connection with it. So it makes sense that you would be a little bit awkward in terms of what to say. I think, number one, don't make any assumptions. Right. I think it's important to ask how the person might want to be supported, mm-hmm. especially with things like death. There's waves, and people will go through a number of different cycles. So they may be experiencing anger. There may be denial. There may be, um, there can be a place where there's a form of acceptance. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to be coming in like, oh my gosh, you must be sad. And they're like, you know, actually, I'm okay. And, yeah. I, and I've been You're able right. To- we do tend to yeah. like suggest feelings yeah. as the, because we want to say that we understand like, yeah. oh, you must be, ha- like, this must be so hard for you. You must be really devastated. Yeah. And then you're right. Perhaps You're're we shouldn't word it that way. Feelings right. By suggesting how they feel, right? As mm-hmm. opposed to just saying, what can I do? How can I support you? How is it feeling? Mm-hmm. And recognizing that there's going to be those waves that come and go. Um, yes. What mm-hmm. about, um, I guess l- let's touch upon it in a situation where it's someone that you're not super close to because chances are if it was a very, someone very close to you, you would be in there. You would know That's what right. they need. Um, so it could be someone in the workplace, let's say, or um, a friend that you're not super close with, but That's like right. an acquaintance. What is a good thing to do or say in that circumstance? I would say keep it simple, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it is those acts of kindness that actually really make a huge difference. So it could be um, I'm a simple email. I'm thinking about you at this time of year. If you have the chance to touch base them at an office party, or if you're just in the lunchroom, you can say, you can share some of your experiences, mm-hmm. you know, share a little bit about yourself because opening up and saying, Hey, you can talk to me relies on the individual to sort of give you information about themselves and disclose. But how about opening up by saying, you know what, a couple of years ago, I lost somebody. And sometimes it's a little bit difficult for me. So share, like get them, engage them through disclosing a little bit about yourself and also respect people's boundaries. Right. Don't force yourself on them. Don't mm-hmm. have an agenda. Don't be, you know, be very non-judgmental and, and really listen and let people know that, hey, you might not want to check in with me now. Right. You might want to check in with me later or never at all, but I am here. That makes a huge difference. I find when it's someone you're not very close to. So let's just say it's someone that you've in the office that you see every single day, mm-hmm. and, but you obviously don't socialize with them on evenings and weekends. Um, I Because we are so polite, if you're like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. I'm okay. Right. I've had good days and bad days. 
then then it becomes weird because do you push or do you go like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to do something nice for you. Uh, or do you just kind of like take that? Like, go, okay, they said they're fine. Yeah, I think it's all about reading those cues. And I think, you know, it's so much what, of what people say, but then the body language and mm-hmm. the nonverbals are so telling. So if the individual is is saying, I'm okay, and you just kind of get through their body language that they're sort of like, you know, back off. Or, right. you know, sometimes people have their own circles and they actually enjoy coming to work. And mm-hmm. if it's grief, they appreciate the fact that grief isn't at work. It's actually a break Maybe they're dealing with it at home or in other places. When they come to work, they might want to just focus on the distraction, if you will, of being in that working environment. So if you're ever feeling tempted to force something, stop right there. (laughs) That's it. Stop. Stop in the name. No, No, for real. It it really is about stopping because you you are now crossing a boundary that that individual has placed. So, you know, if people think that they have to do something in, I find when you're doing something in broad strokes or something that seems major, you're often doing too much. Keep it Mm -hmm. simple. Just let people know you're here and that you can talk. And by the way, I've gone through something too. We all go through something. Right. And it's okay for you to share that with me if you ever so choose. Okay. That kind of thing really opens the door to further communication. Um, I like your idea about sending maybe an email because that's not too, uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not too forceful. It's not and some, I know for myself, I'm very private. Yeah. So, you know, if that were me, I may not want someone coming up to me at the water cooler going, hey, you want to talk? I'd be like, no, I don't. Walk away. But I would appreciate perhaps the email. Yes. I would, I would maybe not talk to that person, but I'd go, well, that was very kind of them exactly. to think of me or to leave a little note, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we just have a, a quick minute left, but if, if someone out there is listening and they're the one who's having a hard time this season, and it could be, it may not be, it could be death, it could be illness, it could be job loss, it could just be something personal, uh, relationship that's happened, and you want to retreat or you want to hide mm-hmm. from people, what do you suggest? Um, one of my uh, favorite women in this in this world is um, Audrey Lord, and she had a wonderful quote that I just wanted to share, and it says, I have to believe that caring for myself is not self-indulgent that caring for myself is an act of survival. And I think that that's a powerful quote because you have to care for yourself, mm-hmm. you know, any time of the year, but especially during the winter months. I think one of the biggest challenges during this time of year is the transition into winter. It's, it's a depressing cold. time of year, period. Yes, it's dark. And we haven't had a real Canadian winter. Like, these are the winters I remember when I was a little kid growing up in Oshawa, Ontario. Yeah. Like, this was it. Like, yeah. But it's people are unused to this kind of weather. Mm-hmm. So really do care for yourself. Holistic health. And if you're looking for inspiration, uh, find things that quiet the mind and amplify the body and the spirit. Okay. And where you can look for that, what are the things you enjoyed when you were a kid? Right. Was it singing? Was it playing? Was it walking? Was it running? Bringing back some of those childhood things into our adult lives and doing things in community. It might not be uh, with a bunch of people, but maybe one person that you really feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So self-care, self-care. Okay. If you're off to some sort of family event, that can be a little bit major. Yeah. Have your well your wellness kit. Have your ready-made excuses to go out for a walk on your own right. or whatever it is. Take care of yourself. Take a couple of minutes to just do some deep breaths, yeah. just like that. Diaphragmatic breathing is incredible. There's all sorts of scientific research out there that mm-hmm. indicates that when you take a moment to just take a deep breath in and out through the nose, 
physiologically, it just calms you right down. So, you know, there can be complicated things in that wellness plan, or there can be simple things Mm -hmm. like just taking a breath. But the number one mission here is looking at your holistic health and bringing back that fun stuff that we used to do when we were kids. No, I think that's a great idea because, you know, when you're like feeling sad and dumpy, you just kind of don't want to do anything. So it's, it's, I think it's a great suggestion to to almost force yourself to do something you used to like, and then you might enjoy joy. Um, Thank you so much, Neil. You've been fantastic. Yeah, really great tips. And I hope that's helped some people out there uh, have a better holiday season or at least reach out to someone and help them have a better holiday. We're taking a quick break here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me this uh, Saturday. Uh, I mentioned off the top that I have a giveaway and it is, um, it's meat. (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. You get to have some meat, but I'm trying like this is, I had my notes about the meat. And then I think I tossed them. Um, But I have, this is the thing. Okay. I've got five $50 gift certificates to give away for a online butcher shop and it's called uh, mallard.co and um, they basically will make your life easier. You can go online, you can order what you want and then it gets delivered to your door. Everything is individually vacuum sealed and and frozen for maximum freshness. Um, So I have five gift certificates to give away, what, 50 bucks each. And for your chance to win, just text in 71010. This is what you need to do. You need to give me your first and last name and your full mailing address. And you can enter up until the end of the show. So you've got a half an hour left and I will choose uh, five winners randomly. This is the last contest that this is a little, I, my legacy is the last thing I give away is, is frozen meat. Uh, because if you miss it off the top of the show, this is actually my last show on uh, News Talk 1010. And, um, you can always keep tabs, keep tabs, stalk me, find me wherever you want online, pagehen.com. So again, first and last name, you can text into 71010 and your full mailing address. The gift certificates will be mailed out to you. And then you can use them online to redeem. And that is courtesy of millard.co. Um, meets online. Honestly, like make my life easy and just bring everything to me in the mail. That's all I want. Um, I've got Christina on the line from Community Food Centers Canada. Hi, Christina. Hi. Hey, so I know that you have a holiday fundraising campaign that is still going on, right? It is still going on. Yep. Till December 31st. Okay. So tell me, tell me about it. Cause I know that you sent me an email a few weeks ago asking if I would take part by just writing a, a, a little blurb for you. Yeah. So, you know, the idea really happened or came um, when I was visiting my mom and uh, we were sitting in the kitchen as we normally do and, uh, you know, chatting about food as we normally do. And I thought, uh, you know, I started to kind of remember all of the amazing times that we've had over the course of my life in the kitchen together over food. So whether it was, you know, from the time I was a little kid, she was always bringing me into the kitchen and showing me how to chop vegetables or, you know, just making me a part of every night and uh you know we also used to make pasta together as a craft almost like as a project you know so she just always made food really fun and she really conveyed to me and shared with me the importance of you know where food comes from who has access to it and and that it can be this amazing connector mm-hmm. um between people so uh i wanted to as i was sitting there with her that day i thought i really you know how can i tell her how much that has meant to me and how big of a role that's played in my life. Um, 
And, you know, it's not like I'm going to, I don't know that a spatula is going to do it, you know, like I'm not going to buy her <laughs> right. a frying pan and she's going to, you know, it doesn't quite convey the emotion of it. So I thought, what if we could do a, create a campaign that, uh, that would allow me to do that. And so, you know, talk to some folks at the office and our work at Community Food Centers Canada, you know, is very much based in that idea that, um, that food is, you know, every Canadian should have access to healthy food and that food is an amazing connector that brings people together and uh, can create bonds and, and really can drive social change in a lot of ways. So we created a, a holiday campaign called My Food Hero. Mm-hmm. And basically what we're doing um, is asking or inviting Canadians to honor the food heroes in their lives. My mom is my food hero. Um, the food heroes in their lives by making a donation in their honor to our organization and donations, uh, fund, you know, funds raised through the campaign help us to create dignified, welcoming spaces across the country that bring people in low-income communities together to grow, cook, share, and advocate for healthy food. So Let's tell people about the um, the centers that you have in Toronto. Is it two locations or? In Toronto, there are two community food centers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a the Stop Community Food Center, which um, some of your listeners probably know, uh, an amazing organization that's been working in the city for, uh, you know, more than 30 years. And uh, and then we've also uh, worked with, the, we're working with the Regent Park Community Food Center, which is in the Regent Park community. And so both of those places, um, you know, again, beautiful, welcoming places. They offer um, the increased access to healthy food through meals and markets. Uh, they bring people together in the kitchen and the, in gardens to grow and cook together and meet their neighbors, learn new skills, at, you know, and, and eat and, you know, have access to really good food. And then there's a, you know, a really important and big, you know, peer advocacy and community action component, um, bringing, you know, once people are connected, uh, creating ways for people to be able to raise their voices about the issues that affect their lives and really make change both in their communities and in the city more broadly. Now, the money that you raised through um, this campaign, it, you've actually done quite well, I think, up until now. I mean, I don't know if this was you hit the benchmark that you wanted to or not. We, yeah, the campaign for the first year has been going really strong, and we still have a bit of a ways to go, but um, but we have this campaign going on until December 31st, and I really hope that um, you know that some of your listeners would be have food heroes in their lives, people who use food to show they care. You know, you bring bring somebody a soup when they're sick, or you know, bring people together around dinner dinner parties and make connections between people. Um, you know, everyone has one of those people on their, mm-hmm. their list to shop for, and instead of um, buying a thing, maybe make a donation in their honor and let them know how much they mean to you, and also let them know that together you're uh, you're you know you're making a donation towards some really important work. Now the the so the hashtag that you have online, which is really nice, it's uh, hashtag my food hero, and uh, on Twitter and I think uh, on Instagram as well, people can, yeah. uh, you know, you can search that hashtag. You could find some inspiration for for the stories that people have submitted. Uh, like yourself, I said my food hero is my mom and and dad, and I think I think that's probably the case for a, a lot of people growing up, um, or someone who perhaps took care of them or, or made their meals. Um, and it's a nice time of year like you said, to make a donation uh, in lieu of a gift for someone. So it's sort of like saying thanks in a way. Now, the money that you raise through this particular campaign, what will that help you do at uh, the community food centers? Um, well, so just before I, I tell you that, I'll just say that, okay, your story was so great and we were so happy to have it. Um, and your parents, you know, just sound like incredible incredible people. So it was fun. And, and I think <laughs> anybody who's interested in the campaign should visit the website, which is my food hero dot cfccanada.ca because there's lots of 
you can read Pay's story, um, and you can also read uh, tons of other uh, really fun, moving mm-hmm. uh, stories. And so the money that's raised through the through the campaign is gonna uh, help us offer more and you know empowering food programs in low income communities in Toronto and across the country. Um, and so again, like you know, community kitchens where people can learn food skills. Um, come together in a kitchen, share a meal, and go away, you know, having more confidence and, you know, more inspiration and ideas for how to make affordable and healthy meals on a budget. Um, community gardens where, you know, com- uh, community members can come in, grow food together, and then take the harvest home. Uh, after school programs for kids uh, that teach kids where their food comes from and how they can cook it together and grow it together. Um, and then, you know, those very important sort of peer advocacy and peer support programs that help people who are in need with, uh, you know, connecting them to referrals and services that they, um, that they need and also drive that bigger change that we're trying to get to, which is, you know, the policies that can support people to be able to access healthy food. On a, mm-hmm. yeah. Now, uh, have you seen a shift in terms of what is, uh, what is needed at uh, the different food centers? Because I'm sure it, it depends on, you know, perhaps area, the population, uh, maybe the uh, the ethnicities of the people who live in the area. But I'm just wondering if you've seen a, a growth in a certain area where you're like, oh, okay, we need more of this type of program. Right. I feel like, yeah, it's definitely uh, community by community. Every community has a different needs. And the community food centers that we work with are all very uh, locally focused. And so um, very responsive to community needs. We have, you know, very uh, robust evaluation system that helps mm. us to hear from the community and, and make changes where we're needed. I think people, you know, want fresh and delicious food. They want yeah, food that, um, they're, that they're familiar with. And I think we also uh, try to make connections between what's in season. You know, at the stop, there's a great program called Food of the Month where, um, a seasonal vegetable will be featured both in community meals and uh, in community kitchens, and there'll be recipes offered as well and food demos. So it's really kind of like a full, you know, a holistic kind of approach to um, introducing people to seasonal foods that can be more affordable in the grocery store um, and that can, you know, actually be really delicious if you, once you know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah. Once you, well, once bit. you know, then it's like it's, it's not so scary. Um, okay, so where can people yeah. go if they want to find out more, if they want to make a donation? So the website is myfoodhero.cfccanada.ca. And then, as you said, the hashtag myfoodhero. Um, if you go on Instagram or Twitter, you'll be able to see not only a bunch of great stories and contributions, but I find the website from there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Christina. Thanks, Kay. Really appreciate it. After the break, what are the food and flavor trends for next year? Chef Andrea Bucket will let us know what we'll be seeing and eating more of in 2017. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. More with Pei Chen on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. As I was mentioning before the break, uh, Chef Andrea Bucket is here with me. And uh, we're talking about uh, food trends and like flavor trends and, and how we're going to eat differently in 2017. <laughs> what does that mean? Am I suddenly not using utensils? No, it does, definitely does not mean that. You're going to use your utensils. But this is just sort of a take on uh, what Canadians are eating, how they're eating it, um, and, and sort of the different things that we're going to see coming into 2017 for flavors um, in the household. Okay. So, 
I, you know, I did ask you to, to give me a few points to, to work off of. So, uh, like the new mindful foodie, what does that cover off? Okay. So the new mindful foodie is basically uh, putting a greater emphasis on what we're eating and how we're eating it. So in order to improve your physical and mental health, as we spoke about before, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Canadians are really educated about nutrition now. And so they are looking for things like cleaner um, panels on their food. They want right. to see less ingredients. Uh, they want to have a clear indication of what they're eating is serving their mind and body. So they're definitely looking for to get back to basics in terms of that. Um, they're looking to eat with more purpose. So I think, especially in our generation, pay and you and I, we're food people. We have mm-hmm. our phone out at the table a lot. We're taking pictures of the food we eat. But I think we're starting to... Do you to- know how much that drives people <laughs> nuts who don't who, who like eat with me sometimes? It drives me nuts too when I'm at an event <laughs> and taking pictures. I always say pictures. I'm really quick and I don't use a flash. But it's what we do. So, yeah. But I think what we're going to see is I think we're going to see people start to put that tech away sometimes um, at dinner time. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get a more fulfilling experience. So they actually feel like they're sitting down to a meal. So that's eating with purpose. Um, and then they're looking at more raw food. So obviously it goes back to the back to basics and the nutrition. Um, we're really looking for foods that are less processed. We're looking for um, the way the things are produced. So cold pressed oils and kelp and seaweed are going to see a rise in demand. Yeah. So we're going to really see some uh, kelp and seaweed on our plates in the home. Um, I remember seaweed kind of being a, sometimes things take more than one year, right? right? So I remember about maybe about a year or two ago when I was in the grocery store and I saw like uh, seaweed snacks and little like kid sized packages. Yes. And I was, and that blew me away because, uh, hey, FYI, I'm Asian and I uh, grew up eating a lot of seaweed. So it wasn't new. I'm also from the East Coast where every, like dulse is sold in like every right. you know, corner store. And I have to say, my kids, I, I mean, I grew up, uh, my kids grew up eating, um, not nori, nori strips mm-hmm. for snacks. And that was normal for me, but that wasn't on trend. So trends really refer to things that are coming into the mainstream and we're seeing more and more of in, uh, in our grocery stores. So, and just to let you know, all these trends were pulled together by, um, Loblaws companies. Mm-hmm. So these are specifically a Canadian trend look. Okay. Um, and they're sort of in a unique position because they are, you know, Canada's largest, uh, food retailer and they pull together chefs and dietitians and even a futurist to predict what these food trends are going to look that like. That is a cool title. What, do you, what do you do? Futurist. What do you do? I predict the future. <laughs> is that like, like a mind reader? I want to know how to get that job just so I can, whatever I say, people like, well, she's a futurist. So it's going to be true. I'm like, this is what's going to happen in the future, everybody. Yeah. And because that's my job title, uh, believe what I'm going to say. What about certain, are there certain flavors? I, I've always, I have loved that the past few years we've been branching out to different um, ethnic flavors and and countries because because I think with the internet and the fact that you could follow someone on Instagram who uh, lives in Bombay and someone else who lives in uh, Thailand and and you can get to know things even if maybe you haven't quite tried them, but they could be familiar they to become you. familiar so, you know these ingredients that used to be so weird to some yes. people are becoming very normal yeah and I, we're really lucky in canada and specifically in toronto where there is uh, large multicultural um, differences where we can draw on those flavors and so some of the flavors we're going to see this year are um, moroccan so we've those sort of yeah. middle eastern spices um, moroccan flavors and filipino food is going to ah. start to see a little bit more light so yeah it's one of the asian cuisines that hasn't become quite mainstream uh, yet. 
Exactly. And they do have influences from China, Spain, mm-hmm. um, you know, Middle Eastern Indian flavors. And so that's the thing we love about Thai food, right? Is yeah. that it hits all those points. It hits sweet, sour, salty, and yeah. spicy. And so all those ingredients are what Canadians love. And so we're just looking to take ingredients and spices um, and incorporate them into traditional Canadian dishes as well. Mm. So, um, you know, I hate to bring out poutine because everyone says poutine's not the national dish, but poutine, <laughs> we're looking at things like butter chicken poutine, right, right. for instance, or taking your classic, say, meat pie or shepherd's pie and putting, you know, tandoori spices into it or a piri-piri spice just to switch uh, it up. Yeah. Just like taking the food that you know, maybe this, the dish that you've been making forever and then adding a few new ingredients or a few spices just to... Exactly. But we're also seeing the better. exactly the local ingredients with a global flair. So I think that's uh, really important that we're going to see more of that. You know, um, we've been talking when I say we, I, myself. Uh, I know that for a while people have been forecasting that alternative proteins were going to become more popular. And one of the main alternative proteins that, that I remember talking about two years ago when I was asked about food trends mm-hmm. uh, was basically insects. Right. Because it's insects are widely eaten in many countries around the world, not so much North America. So it's still a novelty. It's like, have the worm in the bottle of tequila. I brought um, you some cricket protein, actually. Did you? Yes. What a terrible gift. Like, of all things you could have <laughs> brought me, you, you, like, like, when you, <laughs> of all things you could have brought me, you brought me cricket protein. Thank I know you have enough cookies to last you until the end of the year, Penny. Well, I was baking cookies before I came into work. Um, I'm not quite sure that this is going to become as mainstream as people might say it will in the next year, but over time, because right. we do need more sustainable sources of protein. And yeah, so we're, we are seeing these um, proteins come come into... like our homes, but I don't think everyone's going to buy into it. I think you really have to be on the edge of nutrition to sort of embrace those things. Right. But having said that, um, trends sometimes take a while to really, really take off. And you can get, I mean, you can get barbecue flavored roasted crickets and I've tried them and they're actually quite delicious. You know, we had someone from, I think it was Entomo Farms, yes, which is a local, exactly yeah, right. they, yeah. they um, farm crickets and yes. they do the, the protein, the cricket powders and everything. And they came in and they brought us some of those dried, uh, freeze dried crickets snacks um and like they were, I ate them. I'm like, it's fun. It's like to eat in a, spi- a spicy peanut. But if I could choose, I'd choose a spicy peanut. Right. Of course. Of course you would. Um, but I think we're seeing things like, you know, meatless Mondays, for instance, might yes. have been something only nutritionists and dietitians or people who are really health conscious would have done, say, two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing people who are, you know, carnivores, omnivores, including those days into their week, just because it's healthier to eat less protein. And so, you know, we might start seeing. For instance, this was the year of the pulse. So we had yeah. lots of legumes and, and beans and all that sort of thing making its way onto our plate. So who knows? Maybe in a year or two, crickets will be uh, a little bit more popular. I think it will take time. I'm sure the more companies that incorporate it, of course, and who make it available. So if it's a granola bar with ground crickets, right. that sort of thing, if they're making like little kid snacks with it, then if it's easy for people to, to get, then it will become uh, more mainstream. You got it. And that actually leads us to our next trend, which is the new home chef. Okay. Okay. Because people are, you know, we have all this pressure of no time, but we have this desire to eat healthy. And, you know, you work full time as well, but you love mm-hmm. to eat pace. So, like, sure do, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> 
You sure <laughs> you know me. Um, but so like during the week, we're looking for easy alternatives. And so we're seeing some fresh things come out on the counter, pre-chopped vegetables and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, potatoes that already have the rosemary in them where, you know, some people might look at that and go, you know, you can put that together yourself. But really, if you can just grab it and it's in the cooking tray yeah. and you can put that in your oven, for a lot of people, they want the health, but they yes. want the convenience of something that's already prepared. So you have that during the week. Mm-hmm. But then on the weekend, like I, I love to go down to the St. Lawrence Market or yeah. at the market, take my time, grab some fun ingredients and cook something a little bit lower and slower and take my time. So right. we're seeing that balance with uh, home chefs as well. Well, you know, I used to be that person who rolled their eyes and was like, I'm not going to buy peeled carrots. That's ridiculous. But like you said, if you're someone who has to make a meal for a family and right. that's the difference between making a meal and ordering out, then that convenience is, is absolutely uh, worth it. I also like just very quickly, the one thing that uh, I very passionate about is that people are caring more about where their food comes from yes. and that it's responsibly sourced. Yes. It's something that we've talked about a lot on the show. Yeah. So um, people are definitely looking to make uh, choices with their grocery dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of grocery retailers have made um, you know strides in terms of you know, having sustainable seafood in mm-hmm. everything that they sell. Um, we want to see beyond organic and beyond genetically modified labels, even though we're still fighting for that genetically modified label. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people are looking for things that are not only farmed sustainably, uh, but they're sustainable all along that um, chain of command in terms of how they get to you and how um, the, you know, the farmers are treated. So we're really looking for all those third-party certifications to tell us that how we're spending our money is environmentally responsible and good for the planet. I think for a long time, we just thought like, well, food showed up. So we right. didn't care. We didn't think about maybe the person who was harvesting the food, uh, who was working those long hours on the farm, uh, you know, how it was grown, if, if the animals are being well-treated. And I think in the past few years, it's become um, much more in, in, in people's minds right. in terms of importance. So um, those are all, thank you very much. And thank you. Um, can you please show me the cricket powder you got me? Let me get it. Okay, thanks. Uh, I also just wanted to quickly say before you wrap up, th- for those of you who missed it off the top of the show, um, this is my last show here on News Talk 1010. Uh, the schedules have changed a little bit and uh, they've added a few shows and so something has to get taken away. So I wanted to very quickly thank you all for listening and letting me be a part of your Saturday afternoons and before that, your Sunday evenings. Uh, you've all you've actually been very kind with your, your feedback and quick with your suggestions and always very uh, positive and supportive as listeners. You can, of course, keep in touch with me online, paychen.com, at paychen on uh, Instagram. Instagram and Twitter. Have a great holiday, everyone. A fabulous weekend. I hope 2017 is a great year for all of you. Thanks to Mike Catherwood, of course, and Mike Trutler, who have been my technical producers all this time. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you very soon.